You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I hope you're all doing well. I wanted to share a story about my first trip to Africa. Uh, this trip, we were in the country of Zimbabwe, and it was an evangelism trip. We went to uh, preach in schools and to have a revival, and it was an amazing time. Uh, every day throughout the week, we, the schools would welcome us in, and so we went to a couple schools each day, and we would sing songs and play games, and then had an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Then at night, we had a revival back at the homestead, and, and the revival would start at like 6 or 7, 8 p.m., <coughs> excuse me, and it would go until 1 or 2 in the morning uh, of people just sharing worship songs and then people preaching. I had an opportunity to preach every night at this revival, and, and they would come from miles away, uh, the, these Africans coming from different, different villages and different areas, often walking for miles barefoot just to hear us talk about Jesus Christ. And so it was, it was a great trip, and, and several of the schools we went to multiple times, and one of those schools uh, we, we visited on Friday, and we'd been there multiple times, and, and as we were closing up, and as we were telling them about Jesus, and we invited them to come to church on Sunday, uh, one of the teachers came up to me. Uh, it was a young man uh, about my age, and, and he, he had a big grin on his face, and he said, Mr. Matt, I will see you on Sunday. I'm coming to your church. And I was like, oh, that's great. I look forward to seeing you. And so Sunday morning comes, and, and church is supposed to start at 9, and, and it's 8.30, and I, and I was kind of getting anxious, and I asked the, the leader, I was like, hey, are, is it time for us to go? He said, oh, don't worry about it. Let's have breakfast. And I was like, oh, okay. And so 9 o'clock comes, I was like, church is starting right now. We, we should probably go, because I, I was the main speaker, right? And so I was like, we got to get going. He's like, they can't start without you. We're all good. Let's have some tea. And I was like, oh, okay. And so 10 o'clock comes, and finally he said, I'm like just beyond nervous and, and trying to figure out how to get there myself. And he said, we're on African time. It's okay. So we finally get there at 11 and start service. And the people had come from, from all the, from the tribes, from all miles away. The church was full outside the windows. There was Africans just ready to listen in underneath the mango tree. They were there and they were all just gathered, ready to worship the Lord. And we get there and we start singing and then we have a long time of singing. And then I had an opportunity to share the gospel. And so at the end of it, we have an invitation time where I ask if anyone wants to get baptized, today's the day where we're gonna go find some water and baptize you. And, and several people came forward including the teacher. He came with that big grin, and, and he said, I, I, was been one, I wanted to tell you on Friday, but I was holding it in. I'm, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. I want to get baptized by you. And I was so excited for him, and, and we said, great. And so we concluded the service, had several more songs, and, and the leader said, hey, there is a pond about a mile away. Oh, we're going to go there with everyone that wants to get baptized. Anyone that wants to watch them, come with us. It was the most amazing thing as this entire congregation all together walked down the road. Everyone wanted to support those that were getting baptized. So we go to this little pond, and, and when I say pond, it couldn't have been bigger than this room. And we get there, and, and I start to wade in to start baptizing them. And, and I've never experienced this before, but the mud in this pond was, was almost like quicksand, is what I would picture quicksand. And my whole foot just suddenly went inside this mud. And so to pull my foot out, it was like that suctiony feel, and, and I had to pull in the heart. And it, my entire foot was engulfed by this mud. And so I take another step, and it goes up to my ankle. 
And next step, and it goes up a little higher, and I start worrying because, you know, I'm a short guy. I don't know how far we're going to have to get in there before I'm completely covered. And so we, we, I start keep wading out to where it was deep enough that the water uh, would be, we'd be able to baptize, and the mud ended up coming up to just below my knees, right up to the top of my shins, that my feet, ankles, shins, were completely engulfed in this mud. And so every step was a struggle, and so I kind of just spread my legs out and stayed put as people would come to me, and I would baptize them. And so it was a beautiful thing. Uh, Villager after villager came forward, and I got to baptize them. And the last one was that teacher. He had held back because he wanted to be the last, and he came, and he had this grin on his face. He said, I can't wait to be baptized. And so I asked him in front of everyone, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? your personal savior. And he proclaimed with a loud voice, I do. <laughs> and everyone cheered and I baptized him and rose and he rose from the dead and he had the biggest grin. I thought he had a big grin earlier, but it was nothing compared to the joy that was just radiating through him. And he gave me a big hug and, and we walked back to the shore. Once we got to the shore, I realized this mud was unique. There was something in this mud and it was leeches. My legs were covered from the shins down with dozens and dozens of blood-sucking leeches that had, because I'd been out there so long, had already attached and, and were sucking blood. And, and so the Africans come and they start pulling it. And I'm like, you know, I'm just this little white guy, I'm just mortified. I'm like, what's going on? And so we're pulling these bugs off and these and the slimy leech things off my legs. And I look over and, and I'm just mortified by this. And I look over and, and my teacher friend, and there's people helping him pull them off his legs too. And he Yet, he still has the biggest grin. The joy of baptism couldn't, couldn't be squelched by a bunch of blood-sucking leeches. It was the most amazing thing to look over and see how excited he still was. As they're pulling off these, these animals that are sucking his blood, that are leaving diseases, he had this joy just radiating from him. This is what we're talking about this morning is, is baptism, is this thing that can cause such great joy to be part of God's family. This morning we're looking at baptism as part of our basic series, that, looking at what baptism means here at Discovery, but more importantly, what baptism means for you and for me. To look at what baptism looks like in the Bible, and so we got several scriptures and we're going to start in, in Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it to Acts chapter 2. We'll also have it up on the screen. But this is where we begin to see the first glimpse of what this baptism looks like in the, in the early church. You see, there is this, this, um, this festival that many of the Jews had come to Jerusalem to, to celebrate. And so there's Jews from all over the, the, the area, from different countries, different regions. Jews that don't speak the same language, they've all come to Jerusalem to celebrate. And here amongst the thousands of people is this group of Christians, this, this new section of the Jewish culture that believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this group of Christians, at this moment, you'll see in Acts chapter 2, if you read the whole thing, the Holy Spirit comes down like flaming balls. And it comes down among the people, and they begin to speak in, in languages that, that to the outsider seems like babble. But to those that are in tune to that language, they're speaking their language. It's as if we had a group here that are from Russia, and I start speaking, and it sounds like Russian. Or a group from Germany, and I start speaking, and I'm speaking German to them. To the rest of you, it sounds like nonsense, but to them group from Germany, they would see that I'm speaking their language. 
And so these Christians are all speaking these different languages and it sounds like chaos to many. It sounds like Babel. It sounds like drunkenness. And they accuse these Christians of being drunk. And, and Peter steps up and addresses this giant crowd. And he first clears the air. He says, hey, we're not drunk. It's, it's nine in the morning. This isn't alcohol-induced. This is of the Lord. And so he begins to tell this in verse 22. He addresses this entire crowd. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. The, the stories of Jesus' powers, the story of his miracles and teaching have spread. They've all heard about this. And he says, as you know, God has come and worked through Jesus of Nazareth. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. So Peter calls him out, right? But he says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then he goes on, verse 31, he goes on and quotes a passage from David. It says, seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he, was not, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So he's saying that Jesus rose from the dead, went to heaven, and has sent down the Holy Spirit. This is what's going on here. The Holy Spirit is among us. The Holy Spirit is with us. He says, for David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to their hearts and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? I love this passage because it's the gospel story, the first big presentation of it. Peter comes and he says, you know, Jesus is doing these miracles. Yeah, he died. You killed him. But God raised him from the dead. God empowered him. Death could not beat him. Satan could not defeat him. He rose from the dead, and he has since ascended to heaven, and he has sent us the Holy Spirit. And it says that the people have to proclaim that Jesus, who was crucified, is both Lord and Messiah. And he presents them with the gospel, and the people say, now what do we do? It's the same crossroads that many of us have encountered at some point in our life. That we've been presented with the gospel Perhaps it's today. Perhaps today is the first time that it's hit, that you know this is the truth, this is the gospel. Perhaps it was long ago in your childhood. Somewhere along the line, we've been presented with the gospel, and we had to answer the same question. Now, what do we do? The same question that they asked thousands of years ago, brothers, what shall we do? We had to answer. So I ask you today, do you believe that, just as this says, that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah of your life? Now what do you do? If your answer is yes, then, then let me continue on with this passage. 
Verse 38 says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now what do you do? What is your response to this gospel presentation? I believe that there's probably three groups of people in this room, those that have not accepted Christ yet. And if that's you, I want to encourage you today, come forward and accept Jesus as your Savior. Oh, and if you're not ready yet, then continue on in those questions, continue on studying, reading the Bible. Come, have coffee with me, let us talk, and be able to continue to explore and work through this process of Jesus as the Lord and Messiah. Then there's another group here that has accepted Jesus long ago, perhaps recently, that you've accepted him as your Savior, that you've said when presented with the gospel, yes, I believe that Jesus is my Savior. I believe he died and rose again. I believe that I will go to heaven and have salvation because of what Jesus did. And for those of you that have believed that, there's, there's two camps. There's those that have then been baptized, as Peter calls us to do. And there's those that haven't. I want to talk to both groups today. To those that have accepted Jesus as your Savior and, and haven't been baptized yet today, I hope that today's message, as we look at what baptism means and why we should do it, will speak to you. I think we're going to see here that there's nothing magical about the baptism. There's, there's, this is not magic water. There's nothing different about a lake filled with leeches or tap water here in a church. What is special is your belief in Jesus Christ. Is your faith that he is your savior? Is what Jesus has already done for us and our accepting of that? But this baptism is an outward confirmation. It's an outward exclamation of what you believe. And then for those of us that have been baptized, I pray this morning will be a reminder of that marker in your faith walk. That it'll be a reminder and it'll bring joy and that it'll be something that you can look back to even this morning and remember this great time. And so when we look at baptism, this is an area I get the most questions from as a, as a pastor. Why do I need to be baptized? Uh, I'm, saved, I'm saved because I've been baptized, or am I saved if I'm not baptized? And how do I get saved, and how, what does this have to do with baptism? I want to tell you, there's a lot of passages about baptism. And, and baptism comes from the Greek word of baptismo, which means to be immersed. That's an idea that you're fully immersed that you're connecting with this idea of what Jesus did, that he was put in a, in a tomb and he rose again, that when we're buried with Christ and we rise again in the water, that we are connecting with this act that Jesus did. There's a couple of verses here. First Peter 3, 21 says, and the water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love this passage because it says it symbolizes that this, is, uh, that this shows what we are connecting with Jesus. The act of baptism itself isn't what saves us. It's, it's our faith. It's our faith in what Jesus Christ already did. But it's an important act for us to follow through with that, that connects us with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's an important act because this is what Jesus commanded us to do. 
Uh, in Matthew 28, as Jesus is preparing to leave, his final words that he leaves with his disciples is, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So the making of disciples, how do you do that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus has commanded us to do. This is what he's told us to do. And so to, to follow him and to believe in him and to accept him as your Savior and not be baptized is going against the commandment of the Lord. It's going against what Jesus has told us to do. I get a lot of questions about baptism. And, you know, that question I've been asked many times, what if I was driving to go get baptized and I got hit by a bus and I died? What would happen to me? And I've been with pastors that would, that would feel, they would say, uh, well, I asked that to one guy, and he said, well, it's not my place to judge. And, and I would be the one to tell you, you're going to heaven. You've made the decision. The baptism is an outward expression of the decision. But it's one we've been commanded to do. It's one that we can't just put off nonchalantly, that we can't just say, well, I don't like to be in front of crowds. I don't like to get wet. I don't, I'm too, I've been a Christian for too long to now get baptized. All are just reasons that I would turn around and ask, why are we trying to get around getting baptized? Why are you looking for reasons not to? If you're scared of crowds, we can do it at a Tuesday at two in the morning. All right, if you're scared of water, I assume you take showers. If, if uh, you have been a Christian too long and it's embarrassing, this is a way to, conf- to express what you have believed this whole time. To confirm, to, to tell everyone, this has been my heart for the past 40 years or my last four days. I believe in Jesus this much that I want to tell everyone about him. Peter shares a couple passages uh, as he talks about baptism in the book of Acts. There's one we already looked at, 2.38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That we want to repent, to accept him, to turn away from our old selves and be baptized and receive this forgiveness. But I don't think the forgiveness hinges on just the baptism. In chapter 10, verse 43, it says, All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. That we were to believe in him and we receive that forgiveness. But also, if we believe in him, should we not follow his command? Should we not proclaim to the world that we believe? So often people are trying to get around baptism. But this is our outward way to say that I'm a Christian. Our outward way to say I believe. Imagine if you were married and you went through the whole service and the ceremony, but then your your spouse, if if my wife was unwilling to wear her wedding ring, and when we went out in public, she wouldn't be near me. And and when people actually ask, have you been, are you married to that guy? And she's like, well, you know, you would raise a lot of questions if this was Sarah's Sarah's attitude towards a marriage, right? If she was ashamed of being married to me, and which that might be the case at times, but if, if she was ashamed to be married to me and she then told people she wasn't, or she would at least hide the fact that we were married, you would think that there's something odd about that marriage, wouldn't you? You'd think there's something odd about why is Sarah ashamed to, 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 be, to proclaim that she's married to him? Same is true, that if we have this relationship with Jesus Christ, 
If we have this willingness to say that he is our Messiah and our Lord, and yet we're not willing to be baptized, why is that? What is holding us back? Some people will say, well, I was baptized as an infant. Doesn't that count? Or wouldn't it be insulting to my parents? I would say just the opposite. This is a compliment to your parents. That the idea of baptizing as an infant is, is saying that I'm going to raise my child to follow God's ways, that, that we want them to be saved, we want them to be a Christian. And so to then be baptized as an immersed adult or a teenage believer is a way of saying, I followed through with your hopes and dreams, mom and dad. I followed through with this desire that I would grow up and, and be a Christian and follow you. This would be the, the desire of of falling through with, with their, their thought. Another question I get some, often is, but I don't know enough to be baptized. I get that a lot. Is, well, I can't explain the Trinity. I, I don't know all the books of the Bible. I don't know. What if someone asks me a question and you get all these, and, they, and you think that you have to know a certain amount before you can be baptized. And I want to let you know, as a Christian, we're never going to know it all. There are great leaders in this church that, that I look up to that don't have all the answers. We never will. There's an aspect of faith that we'll never be able to explain everything, that we'll never be able to know everything that God knows. So if you're waiting for that moment where you have enough knowledge, it's not going to happen. The knowledge you need to have is do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you believe that he rose again? And by doing that, he took away our sins. He defeated Satan, and he guaranteed our salvation into eternity if we have faith in him. That's what you need to know. And if, if your answer is yes, then this is what you need to know to be baptized. So some people wonder, well, I don't know if I sh should be baptized because I don't know enough. If you know that you're forgiven, if you have faith in Jesus as your Savior, you know enough. If you haven't been baptized, I want to encourage you. Now is the time. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, then now is the time. Today is a great day to do so, to accept him as your Savior, to come talk to us, meet us in the prayer room, and talk to one of the elders out, out in the lobby, and to let us know you want to accept Jesus as your Savior. We could baptize you today. We could baptize you next week if you want to come back with your family and friends. We have extra clothes. We could do it right now. This is an opportunity to accept him. Some of you have accepted him perhaps long ago, but have never been baptized. And I want to encourage you to follow this command. Follow what Jesus says, that you've already been a disciple of him. And what's it look like to be a disciple? Being baptized. I want to encourage you to, to, to come and make this decision, to proclaim this decision to others, to set this example. When my grandmother passed away in 2002, we, uh, all, you know, as the family goes, we all went. And the day after the funeral, I was, stayed up late with my grandpa at his kitchen table, and we were just talking about different things. And, and he told me that he grew up in the Methodist church, and, and I asked him about that, and he said he was sprinkled as a child. And as we got to talking, he started asking me questions about baptism. And what does it mean, and why, what's different than that, and than the sprinkling? And, and I was able to talk with him, and as we sat at that kitchen table late that night, he said, is it too late for me to be baptized? And I said, no, Grandpa. He said, would you be willing to do it? I said, yeah, that'd be, uh, be an honor. 
So the next day we called around and, and found an area swimming pool that we were able to go in. And, and while a bunch of kids were playing Marco Polo in half the pool, Grandpa and I waded in the shallow end. And we stood there in, in the pool. And, and he came and, and, and he's a gruff old man. Uh, he's a, a farmer, hardcore Oklahoma. Uh, like uh, you guys know, like think of a gruff old man, that's Grandpa. And so we're there, and he's got tears in his eyes, and I don't know if I'd ever seen that before, and, and he says, you're not going to drown me, are you? And I said, no, no, Grandpa. And, and then he squeezes my arms. He's like, are you going to be able to pull me up? And I said, thanks, thanks a lot, Grandpa. But yes, I'll be able to do it. And, and he goes, okay, then let's do this. And I asked Grandpa, do you believe in that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and your personal Savior? And he said, I do. And I got to baptize him that day in the municipal pool. Grandpa has since passed on, and I have no doubt that Grandpa is in heaven with God right now. He's probably telling God something that he should be doing, and, and God's correcting Grandpa because that's the way Grandpa was. But he's with God right now. I have no doubt he is saved. As I look back at my baptism, it serves as this marker, a, a reminder. Because as a, as a Christian, we have many hard times. It doesn't mean as you accept Jesus that life is perfect, right? That there's going to be hard times, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be difficulties, there's going to be doubts. And I can look back, and you can look back at your baptism as that marker of faith to know I am saved. To know that that was an outward symbol of a decision I've made, a decision I've continued to make. In the midst of the hard times, in the midst of the doubts, in the midst of everything, I am saved. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you've not been baptized, to make that decision and come and talk to one of the leaders, to talk to one of us, to give me a call this week, send me an email, text, whatever. And if you have been baptized, that this morning would serve as a reminder of the salvation you have, of that moment in your life when eternity with God began that time when you accepted Jesus as your Savior. I have a friend that many of you know goes to this church. And a couple months ago, he was sharing with me. He said, you know, I grew up in the Methodist church, but, but recently I've been digging into Scripture, and I see a lot about being immersed. And I've been a Christian for, for, I don't know how long, for quite a while. He's been a Christian a long time, and he's a Christian leader. He does amazing things for God. But he felt like he still needed to get baptized. And so I want to share that story with you today. This is Brad, my friend Brad Deal. My name is Brad Deal, and this is my story. I grew up in the Methodist church, and we were pretty regular attenders. Uh, as part of growing up in the Methodist church, I was baptized by sprinkling as an infant. It wasn't until the age of 12 that I actually gave my life to Christ. As part of that process in the Methodist Church, I went through a class that's called a confirmation class. And basically that's just a class to help us better understand what it is to follow Jesus, to accept Jesus, and what it is to be a Christian and become a member of the church. Having done all that, I never really gave much thought to baptism. Uh, again, but recently I was posed the question, when were you immersed? And that's when it really hit me that I 
couldn't answer that question. As I was reflecting on what baptism is, um, it kind of made me feel this obligation to be obedient to God's Word and to be immersed in baptism. And to kind of paraphrase Colossians 2.12, it's this idea of dying to oneself or the old you dying, being buried with Christ, and then raised up in Christ uh, to new life, uh, just as Christ was crucified, buried, and then rose again on the third day. I really wanted to share my story because I feel like there's others in the same boat as me that may have been baptized at an early age or maybe like me were sprinkled as an infant. And so I just wanted to encourage others that may be in the same boat as me to read through scripture as it pertains to baptism, to pray over it, and to just really see where God leads you and then be obedient to where God leads you in that. Jesus loves you, Jesus is seeking you, and Jesus wants a relationship.